Welcome to the Mothers You Know podcast. Thank you for being here. This is a place where we as women remember the spirit God gave us. We know how much we matter and we believe all things are possible to them that believe on this Savior Jesus Christ. Here at Mothers You Know, we support the parents of young men in the Sons of Healman and young women in the Daughters of Light programs at Life Changing Services. These programs provide therapeutic and mentoring services for youth struggling with depression, anxiety, self-harm, pornography, and any other unwanted or difficult behaviors. We offer parent support, training, and resources for mothers and fathers seeking the best way to support their loved one. Any mother is welcome to join in the Mothers Who Know classes support and training. You do not need to have a child in life-changing services to join in. We hope you'll join us. I am Karen Broadhead. I serve as the director of Mothers You Know, and I serve as the parent support specialist at life-changing services. I invite you to join with me and other mothers from across the country in our Warrior Mothers Who Know online support and training group. If you have a child struggling with pornography, depression, anxiety, or other difficult behaviors, you will find a safe and uplifting place to learn from other moms and learn principles and strategies to best support your loved one. Please go to motherswhoknow.org to find the online meeting details. We talk about difficult things here with the intent to shine light in dark corners and to eliminate isolation and shame. We are mothers with warrior hearts who are raising the warriors of this generation. We know we must learn to fight well for ourselves first, then we can confidently support and cheer on our loved ones in the best ways. Welcome. So happy that you're here listening. This is such a neat episode. I'm so excited for you to meet who I'm interviewing today. It's so, so amazing to me to notice how God works in our lives. It's so cool to, to just wonder about it. The wonderment of it is so amazing to just be thinking, you know what? We have that those times in our lives where we just feel like, what is going on here? And how is this ever going to get better? And what is going on? And how come I'm in this place? It doesn't make any sense. And I'm not quite sure, you know, what to do about it, how to fix it. And if you're listening to this podcast, then you're likely connected to this resource because, yeah, you're, you're experiencing very similar things in your life. All right. So I got a really neat email recently from Maddie just saying, hey, I feel called to do something pretty passionate about it. And I've noticed you host a podcast or two, and I wanted to see if maybe I could share my story because I want, yeah, I'm not going to ask. I'm not going to tell you the because, because I'm going to let her tell you the because. But this is Maddie, everybody. Hello, Maddie. Hi, happy to be here. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, I'm just so excited to to interview Maddie tonight because I'm going to be getting to know her just like you are getting to know her. And you've probably noticed the other interviews I do. I kind of know the people a little bit that I'm interviewing. And so 
together, listener, you and me, we're going to be getting to know Maddie. <laughs> it's because my eyes are so bad. I'm getting too old. And like you're the M to me, it looks like an A. Oh, you're good. I'll look at it. I was like, that says Addie, not Matt. You're good. No worries. Okay. So while you talk for a minute, I'll probably change your name so I don't do that again. Okay. So tell us why. Why did you send me the email and why do you want to do this? Okay. So I'm not going to jump into my story with pornography just yet. I kind of want to talk about the promptings that I was feeling that led me to do this. For the past six or seven months, I'd say it started around June of 2022. I've been having these super strong promptings from Heavenly Father that I have some kind of work to do, specifically in helping young girls who are struggling with pornography. And so for a while, I kind of was talking back to Heavenly Father and I was like, listen, like I'm 18, I'm a college freshman, I'm just barely learning how to cook my own meals, <laughs> let alone take on one of the biggest problems facing our generation. And so I just, I kind of tried to ignore it or rationalize it away for quite a while. Mm -hmm. And eventually I decided, okay, this is something that I have to take action on. The gospel is like, if I really want to put it at priority number one in my life, this is what I need to do. And so I, during my first semester, I started talking with a bunch of people at BYU and getting these exceptions made so that I can, I'm actually taking reduced credits right now so that I can focus on doing this. And so that's basically, that's where I'm at, I am right now. Originally it started off and I was like, oh my gosh, I need to do it all. I need to write a book. I need to like host a retreat, put a website up, everything, everything. And I super like, this is what I want to do. And so I'm headed on a mission in six months and like, okay, what can I reasonably do before I head out on my mission? And for the most part, it, when I was thinking of doing the book and the website, it was kind of for my own selfish reasons. I was like, I need to have something tangible, like out on the market, not like to monetize, but just to have the feeling of, okay, I accomplished it and I did it. And I, it was more of like a check that box. Yeah. And so it's kind of, it's shifted and Heavenly Father has kind of been trying to teach me that it's okay to take it step by step. And I'm just kind of holding tightly onto his hand as he leads me this step to the next step. And so right now what I'm doing is just getting really good at sharing my story and just getting it out there that any young girls who are struggling with it are not alone. And yeah, so that's where it is right now. And I wish more than anyone that I could tell you that this is where it's going to be in one year and this is where it's going to be in five years. But honestly, I <laughs> and so I can tell you what I'm doing for the next little bit and I can assure you I'm spending every second of my spare time doing it. But yeah, I'm just right now, I'm just hanging on very tightly to Heavenly Father's hand while he guides me through. Yeah. And so when you say, I'm just all this... I'm really focusing and putting a lot of effort into it. When you're saying that, I'm thinking, you know what? So yeah, your email to me, you're probably sending the same kind of emails to other people who have similar platforms, right? Yeah. And yeah, so right now, that is such a good idea, right? To just learn what it sounds like to tell your story in a way that you think, yeah, I don't know, like, when you're trying to tell your story, because that's when you're thinking, how do I learn how to tell my story? Of course, tell it. 
but did you kind of look at it as an angle? Like, what would I want everyone to hear? Or would it be like, what would I wanted to hear? What would it? It was definitely, I think through the whole process, it's definitely just been super, like, again, holding so tightly onto Heavenly Father's hand because each like podcast that I've done, each person that I've talked to, it's, I've made sure to not just have it as like a rehearsed type of thing and like yes this is my story super structured this is exactly what it is because a lot of times the spirit wants me to share different things depending and so yeah I think I think through the throughout the whole process I'm always thinking like oh this is this is for other people this to help other people but really it has helped me so much like way more Mm -hmm. and so obviously that is still the main goal but as a side effect it's really really been helpful for me. Mm, That's so neat and I think it's so so cool that you keep saying that you're you know learning to trust and be connected to Heavenly Father trying to do this with him. So I just think what a great place to start to ask you a question. Well, first I wanna know like, yeah, what, tell us a little bit about your family, maybe things you like to do on the side. And then I'm gonna ask you a question about how did you, how did you learn to be Heavenly Fathers? Mm, okay. Uh, I come from a family of five. I have an older brother and a younger sister. I was raised in the gospel my entire life. My whole family is just amazing. My parents have taught me so much. They've been really good at teaching me principles that are important that I've taken and think about daily. So yeah, amazing family. Remind me what the second part of your question was. Yeah. And the second part was, yeah, what else do you like? What What is the fun things you like to do? You're obviously at BYU and she's in her really awesome dorm room, really decorated. So fun. She gave me a virtual tour. Oh, yeah. <laughs> as far as what I like to do, like hobbies wise, I love like weightlifting. I love hiking. I play guitar and electric guitar. But when I say that, please take that with a grain of salt because so many people at BYU are like, Oh yeah, I play this instrument just a little bit and then they're just like a god at it. And that is <laughs> not me. I can play a couple chords. And I love singing. I've done choir like my whole life. I love all things music. Just a little, I guess, humble brag. I was in the top 99% of listeners as far as minutes go on Spotify. So if anyone listening out there wants to compare minutes, I'd love to. <laughs> on a podcast or on singing? What do you mean? Oh, so on Spotify, you know how they do like the Spotify wrapped? No, I don't know about that. Tell me, I'm too old to know about that. (laughs) You're all good. So they do this thing where it's like the year end and it gives you all your stats, like your top artist and your number of minutes listened. And so then it tells you what percentile you're in and 99% for minutes. (laughs) So that means 99% of your stuff they've listened to? No, so 99, so I don't have anything out. 99, it means I listen to more minutes, more music than 99% of listeners. <laughs> well, I totally get it now. Okay, it means you are so talented at listening to music. That's what that means. Yeah, so talented. It's good. <laughs> okay, you just experienced what my children always experienced with me. I'm like, huh? Tell me that some more. You're good. And then it finally it, it hits me and I'm like, okay, that took me a minute, but okay, that's cute. 
It's really, I was thinking, what is, is she singing on Spotify? Does she have a podcast on Spotify? I get it now. Okay, good. Okay, so, okay, so really, I just think it's just so wonderful because you've mentioned already, I'm here to kind of talk about my experience with pornography, but I just think it's so cool to shine a light on, you know, it's such a huge truth that the mistakes we make and the things that we do that are outside of our value system aren't necessarily ever the thing that define who we are, how wonderful we are, and how much potential we have. And I mean, that's the least thing to be looking at as far as who someone is. And so I just think to talk about just, you know, who you are in a divine way and you mentioning earlier about you know yeah i'm just holding heavenly father's hand i'm wondering yeah how did you come to a place where you thought yeah i just super have faith in him has it always been like that has it been a journey oh it's been a journey for sure (laughs) i think i have grown to know god a lot more through my journey with pornography yeah I've come to understand kind of his nature and I'm still learning so much about him and there's so much that I don't know and there's so much that I don't even know I don't know and so but I think that's a really exciting thing but yeah kind of in my journey with God I think a lot of times especially with pornography when we talk about like partaking of the atonement we kind of procrastinate it and we put it off and I actually I have this journal entry let me find it really quick okay so this is when I was struggling with pornography and I was kind of like deep in the fight and I would set these goals based on the number of days sober and I actually have a journal entry and it says I feel like recently I've only been spiritually coasting I have not been doing much to feed myself spiritually, and therefore Satan was able to get to me. I've been one week clean and feeling a little better, but still not great. I'm going to go through this next week and make it a goal every day to come out of the day with my foundation built on Christ and journal about it. And after that, I will go meet with the bishop. And so a couple of things from that. I think the most important two words in that that show my state of mind and my understanding of the atonement are after that. And I think so many times we tell ourselves, okay, after this, after this, after this, I'll go partake of atonement, then I'll earn it. And it's so silly. And I'm sure that Heavenly Father just looks down and he's like, you guys, like, you're not understanding. You can partake of it right now, right now. There are no, like, there are no requirements. It's not a step-by-step, it's now. And so that is, that has been one of the huge, the biggest changes in how my relationship with God has changed. And the reason why I'm able to kind of hold on to his hand now, because it's like, there's no reason for me to ever be hiding from him because he already knows exactly what I'm going through in that moment. And he already knows how badly I want the atonement and he's never going to put limits on that atonement. We, we always try to make this like infinite atonement such a finite thing and we try to put it into these finite limits because we just we're mortal and sometimes we're just dumb and we don't understand what an amazing gift it is and so I think that's kind of why I'm able to have such strong faith now and of course it's not always strong but 
it feels strong right now. Oh yeah. Being a mortal, a messy mortal, right? Immortality. Yeah, it is. It's a journey. And I know that it's by divine design, right? That we, we have valleys and then we have mountains and then we have valleys. Like, I think it's to teach us more and more about who Jesus Christ is and what his atonement means for us. And so that's so cool. So, but what you said, you're right. It's a big deal. Like, you know what? I'm feeling so yucky and like, I don't deserve any help until I just do do better then i'll go and take care of something because then i'll have you know it maybe won't be as as embarrassing because i'll be saying well i haven't done it for this long or i you know totally so do you think that's part of it though is it is it because i'm just so embarrassed to say i just did it just yesterday or is it because it's just that satanic attack of, you know, you, you're just, you can do it. You can do it on your own, not just quit pornography, but just quit for five days before you talk to the bishop. Yep. That's so true. And it's such, it's such, Satan is so smart. He's so smart at what he does and he knows exactly what he's doing. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's so true. And like, I'm super like goal oriented and I'm super, so that, that was what made sense to me in my state of mind right then. I was like, okay, I'm going to get this many days down and then I'll go talk to him. And it's always just us putting these limits on ourselves. Jesus Christ is never going to put those limits. And so I totally remember I would always set those goals and it made more sense to me because it was like, oh, if I am more distance from the sin then it's easier for me to go and talk to the bishop about it because it's like yeah that's who I was a week ago but trust me I've changed I've changed and it's you know but it takes a real vulnerability and sense of courage to go in and say this is something that I'm struggling with right now and to just admit like that's the first step of the 12-step program is admitting that you are powerless against it and your life has become unmanageable with it and so it's Jesus Christ never expects us to come to him one week clean or he's never going to put those limits on us I know I've said that before but I just I feel so like impressed to share it on this so anyway the and the bishop also is never going to like he's gonna be like so how many did like how long oh looks like we can't give you the atonement on this one like and we get those thoughts in our head and it sounds so silly just saying out loud but those are totally real and legitimate thoughts that Satan is so good at putting in our heads. So what you're telling us is, okay, people, I've learned that it's better to just be like radically courageous. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There's actually kind of, now that you bring it up, there's this idea that has helped me a ton. It's actually, it's not an LDS idea. It totally applies to LDS ideals, but it's this Buddhist idea of radical acceptance and just acceptance of everything. And so I have applied that in so many ways. And so kind of what I've done is if I am to slip up, then immediately after my mind just goes, okay, radical acceptance, here's what happened. I'm not going to assign any negative or positive value to 
the thoughts that I'm having and to what just happened. I try and look at it as if it's someone else looking into my thoughts. And so that has helped me a ton with just being able to like jump the gun on going and talking to someone like Mm -hmm. because it's when you look at it super objectively then it's like it's just it's this other thing and it's just me telling objectively what exactly happened what exactly I was feeling and yeah that has really helped me kind of speed up yeah and so it's kind of like you're interrupting or maybe putting up some defenses there in an offensive way like before you know, I just get so shame, so much full of shame about this and beat myself up. I'm just going to accept what is. And, and then you get to the forward place much faster. Right. So true. Yeah, because Satan is such a bully. If he knows we're down, he's just like a bully, right? If you're, you're down, I'm going to keep you down. And I'm going to make you stay down. Yeah, so good. And so that's so cool to notice that, yeah, that you, it's like you're saying you have to become, in order to become a good winner at recovery, you kind of have to become a good loser. Totally, totally. And actually on that, I want to share something that has really, really helped me. So for some context context before I share this, before I told my dad that I had been struggling with pornography, we had been talking one night in the car and somehow that subject came up. And I have permission from both my dad and brother to share this, just by the way, so I'm not just putting them on blast. So my brother had been fighting with pornography for quite a while. And our bishop at the time told him that he couldn't take the sacrament for three months. And then my brother came to him, told him he slipped up once and the bishop pushed it, pushed it to six months. And at the time, yeah, I know you're nodding your head. No, I was nodding my head. No, same way. But anyway, (laughs) time my brother was thinking he he's prepping for his mission and he's thinking, I'm not even sure that I want to go on a mission at this point. I don't even know if it's worth it to fight this anymore. And he reached out to my dad and just said, dad, like, I don't know if I can keep doing this. I don't know if I can keep fighting. And there was this moment that my dad had and just seeing his son in that despair and just absolutely beaten down. He just wanted to relieve that pain instantly and just say, it's okay. It's okay. Like just, you know, but then he kind of realized like what you're saying is like, it's so important to lose those battles. and so that's exactly what he told him and so I'm going to read this text that he sent to him and I think it is just so profound in it just I love all the ideas that are contained in it so it's called there is only war and this is my dad to my brother there is no peace there is only war I believe in serenity stillness civility and tranquility but not peace peace when defined as the absence of conflict or war is a myth an imposter, a lie. It is a false god we've been taught to worship by pansies and evildoers. There is no war. I believe in winning, but not victory. There is no ultimate or final victory, at least not in this life. And candidly, the next life seems less attractive if the concept of a final victory exists. But I'll leave that to a much much wiser general than me. My heaven is Valhalla. There is only war. But how can there only be war? What about surrender? 
There is no peace through surrender. Surrender is simply one's decision to declare war on themselves. The war continues after surrender. It gets more costly, futile, and painful. There is only war. And then this next part is what kind of got me to actually start talking about it. So he said, I want to celebrate winning with you and honor every day of your fight. I want to be yoked together in this war. Whether you've won or lost any particular battle on any particular day doesn't matter to me at all. I want us to be fueled by the brotherhood that comes from going to war together. I want to be bloodied, exhausted, humbled, and yet undeterred from the path, the war path. There is only war. Would you agree to text me first, first thing when you wake up and last thing before you go to bed to tell me whether you're winning or losing? Please don't ever hesitate if slash when the text is I'm losing. That text is the one that matters most because it means we are still in the fight. There is no peace. There is only war. Love the war. I love being in it with you. Okay, let's just say mic drop. Right? Please. I know. I totally agree. And that, I mean, I think it just, a lot of times we have this idea of this perfection that we're going to reach and we're going to, if we just keep repenting and if we just have enough faith, then mm. we're finally going to reach that ultimate final victory and we'll be great. Yeah. And I, I just love the idea of there is only war. Like this is it. This is exactly what it's, this is it for the rest of our lives and for the rest of eternity, most likely. Again, I don't know that. <laughs> like you said, leave that to a much wiser general than me. But I was actually, I was just in this class today with Brad Wilcox, which is like the coolest class ever. Yeah, he's cool. And he was talking about the story of Peter walking on the water and falling. And he was talking about how we kind of look at that and we're like, oh, it's because Peter didn't have enough faith. If only he had enough faith, then he'd be able to walk on the water. But he said, actually, give me two seconds to pull up my notes from that class because it's it's going to be worth it. I promise. Yeah, I just love that you know how to find your notes. Go for it. So he said, okay. So he's saying, he said that Peter was actually not ever meant to walk on the water. It wasn't plan A that Peter was going to walk on the water and then somehow he just failed that plan and then ended up not walking on the water. And he said, he talked about like to think that you will be able to have enough faith to always walk on the water is just simply not understanding the atonement. And I thought that just put it so well. <laughs> wow. So, so meaning the very reason we have an atonement is because you aren't meant to walk on the water. Right, exactly. And he talks about like, the atonement is plan A. The atonement didn't happen because we messed up and we need, we suddenly needed someone to step in. It was always the plan from the beginning. Oh, it's so good. I'm just loving this because we all need that really strong reminder that just kind of is this repeating din in our mind that says, you know what? I know that it seems like that's not the case right now, but it's always the case, right? It's the plan A. Right. So true. Wow. So neat. So I'm curious back to your brother, how much older is he than you? And how did, you, did your dad shared that with you or he, your brother did something? How did you get shared that? 
Yeah. So my brother is three years older than me. So I think at this time, let's see, he would have been 18 and I would have been 15. And so I initially struggled with pornography. I was, I first found it at 13 and then ended up going to the bishop around 14, 15. I guess it might've been 15 because I did hear that before I talked to the bishop. I'm pretty sure. So the way that it came up was like, honestly, I don't have a ton of recollection about it, but I think we were just sitting in the car and somehow the subject of pornography came up and this was just you and your dad or you, your dad and your brother. It was just me and my dad. Just okay, me. And so he kind of mentioned that my brother had been struggling with it and then showed me that text. And I was like, mic drop, right? Like, same. So, yeah. Super cool. Yeah. Okay. And so, so tell us a little bit about your journey then. So you say you were exposed to pornography at 13. You probably knew plenty about it because they were talking about it in young women's or whatever. Your parents probably had all the fun talks that they're supposed to have. And they probably had all the current books that they could read people, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, so I was exposed to pornography at the age of 13. And I, I, you're right, I did have the young women's lessons and stuff. But I actually remember in the young women's lessons, a lot of times it was, okay, guys, we're going to have this lesson about pornography. I know that you guys don't struggle with that. But just listen, because you can help your future spouse someday. And the statistic, I'm pretty sure, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think it's 30% of women that struggle with pornography addiction. And so picture like in a 15-person class, there are at least four other girls sitting there and having the exact same thoughts as me of, oh my gosh, so I'm actually the only one in the world who struggles with that. And as soon as that thought enters your mind, Satan takes it and runs with it. So anyway, I, for about a year, I struggled with it before I told anyone and I just Satan beat down on me and pornography is just very, very isolating in and of itself. Like you have to isolate your thoughts. You have to physically isolate yourself and isolate yourself from your friend, friends and family. And so I remember he's so good at attacking you when you're in isolation and I just remember having these overwhelming feelings of shame and of guilt and genuinely thinking like, man, the atonement is such a cool gift for everyone else, (laughs) but not me, because surely this can't apply to me because I'm the only one that struggles with this. And Mm -hmm. I was just, I must've been made incorrectly. And that's so sad, right? (laughs) It is so sad looking back and I'm so glad that I have a better understanding now, but I know that there are so many who are thinking exactly what I was thinking at 13. And I really, really want to help with that. So that's why I'm doing all of this. And so anyway, I struggled with it. And then I finally sent the text to go talk to my bishop. And at the time I was 14 or 15. And I remember I sent that text on a Wednesday or Thursday and the like four or five days leading up to that Sunday were like the most stressful days of my life and and I've experienced one finals week at BYU so I think that's saying something and so I finally I remember I set it up after church so that I could go to church and then not even allow myself to leave the building until the appointment and so I remember sitting outside 
or going into the bishop's office versus coming out was like a night and day experience. I always compare it to like Joseph Smith and the sacred grove, like just all the darkness building up and then finally having that appearance of light. And Mm -hmm. so sitting outside, I remember Satan just filling my mind with these negative, negative thoughts and thinking, oh my gosh, I'm going to go in there and he's going to, he's going to look at me and go, really? Like you struggle with this? Like, I don't know about that. And I mean, I laugh at it now because of the amazing experiences I've had, but that was such a real thought. So let's, let's talk about that just for a minute. Like, yeah, totally. Like what you said about Joseph Smith and the Sacred Grove, what a great comparison. I don't think I've everybody ever heard anybody think of that, but that is such a great comparison about, you know, coming to the threshold of going through a repentance process that requires having to go say, I, I have to talk to you. I want to talk to you about something, right? I'm going to reveal something. You can see how, just like Satan was motivated to destroy Joseph Smith before he could, you know, receive this restoration of the gospel and receive all this, you know, miraculous, here we go. Your plan is going to be nothing, Satan, right? It was like, if I can just take that guy out, you could see how motivated Satan would be to hold your tongue, just like he did Joseph Smith's, right? And hold you there and scare you to death, right? It's so true. And if you don't, so I have this quote, this is also from the Brad Wilcox lesson today. It was just so good. He was talking about, he was talking about, there was this young, young men's leader that died and all of the young men were asking his wife, like, what's happening? What's happening? Like, why, why did this happen? He was such a good guy. And I think so many times we have this question specifically surrounding death, but I think it can also be applied to pornography and sin of why do these good th- bad things happen to good people and this it's a quote from Neil A. Maxwell and he says because good people are the ones most ready to learn and so I think that's so good because I think that can also be applied to like like with that sacred grove experience I guess he saw that Joseph Smith had so much potential and he knew that he was going to go and change the entire line of the of the church and change the change that for the future and so I think a lot of times like we beat up on ourselves and we're like there's there's got to be something wrong with me like I'm just so bad I'm being I'm so tempted and I'm giving into all these temptations but it's so important to recognize and it makes it so much easier to overcome if we look at it like we are being tempted because Satan sees our potential and he knows that there is something great waiting for us on the other side if we only take part of the atonement. And so he's going to do everything in his power to prevent us from taking part of that. I mean, sorry to kind of like interrupt. So keep going. Yeah, just that thought of, yeah, they're the people who are repenting and finding answers are the people who are ready to learn. That's really dangerous if you're the boss of the dark side. Mm-hmm. Okay? So- that's so good. Huh, you said two things I've never thought of before. Way to go. That's so neat. Now, I'm not trying to portray that. And I think of everything. But I'm just thinking that's so cool. Okay. So let's go back to your story where you're like, Cam, you were, it was like night and day, bishop's office and coming out. Okay. Yes. So 
the night part, <laughs> sitting outside of the bishop's office. And then seriously, as soon as I walked through that door and started talking and sharing, it was like so overwhelming. The spirit in there was so overwhelming. I just remember he told me and reassured me that I was I was still just as loved, just as love of a daughter of God. And I was still just as valued and my value to God hadn't changed. And that was actually one of the most important things that got me into the bishop's office was the idea. I was really looking into the the idea of fearing God versus fearing man and kind of understanding that not as an as a legitimate like I'm afraid of God, but it got to a point where I was like, at this point, I do not care, even if the bishop sits there and he's like, really, Maddie? Which obviously he didn't. But it got to- I can't believe it. Yeah, right. <laughs> it got to the point where I was like, even if he does have the slightest judgment, I'm okay with that because I know like who my ultimate judge is. And so I went into the bishop, told him it was an amazing experience. And I remember I came out of that office and it you don't realize how numbing pornography is to your mind and so for the longest time I hadn't realized that my both extreme negative and extreme positive emotions were kind of hindered and I wasn't able to feel to my full capacity Mm -hmm. and so I walked out and I remember like the only two words I have to describe it are pure joy because I walked out and I was just finally able to cry again. And I walked home and I totally cried the whole way. And I remember it was like a sunny blue day and everything like legitimately, I'm not even saying this as a metaphor, everything looked brighter and everything looked more colorful and vibrant. And that was such a cool change for me because it was like, not only has this sin been lifted off of my back but I'm able to change literally how I view life how I see life and I feel like sometimes we don't give as much weight to the atonement that it literally changes every single aspect of your life it doesn't just take that sin away it like it changes you entirely as a person so that was kind of that experience that's so good So, you know what, I have to go back just a little bit because I'm feeling impressed to go back, like, just because I know, yeah, if I'm stuck in a place where I'm caught in pornography and that dark feeling of not being able to feel and numb, sometimes I might be hearing something like this and I might be thinking, yeah, she was just exposed to pornography and she struggled. Will you just tell me like a little, just a little more detail about like, how did you get exposed to pornography? And because I know girls struggle with things like, you know, oh, what novels, things like that. It's not just like, oh, it's the pornography. Everybody pictures in their head. It's the one that you it just pops up and there it is. And it's really not OK. Right. right. Yeah. And yeah. so I, for me, yeah, it was like the written content. And that is what it is for most girls. Obviously, there's totally exceptions. And if you're a girl and you're struggling with like the visual part, there's nothing wrong with you. And neither is worse or better. They're just different. And so, yeah, so I was I found it at 13 and I it's so much easier for Satan to slip that in, in my opinion, because we're not exactly taught. We're taught like, oh, these pornographic images, those are bad. 
don't look at those. But when you have these texts, it's kind of like a confusing realm. And you're like, okay, well, you know, I'm, I'm just reading these things. Like, maybe it's okay. And he's saying is so good at making you rationalize. And so if he can kind of take that and run with it, mm-hmm. what are we going to do it? So, yeah, so it was the written content. And I just found it on my phone. I didn't ever, like, view it on my computer. It was usually my phone. Were there... Let me know like what questions you have on that because I'm totally willing to like dive deeper. Well, I guess one of the things is, yeah, that is, I think some parents, for instance, right, might not even consider talking about, yeah, what is pornography? Like pornography is anything that has the intent to sexually arouse a human, right? No matter what it is, if the intention is, it's to sexually arouse a human, but everybody's arousal or what they're, you know, what's arousing to someone and someone else, you know? So a lot of that depends on a person, but there is content created that is totally, this is meant to sexually arouse someone. So that's pornography. It's not just pictures. It's not just things that you're gonna find on a YouTube channel. You know, it's going to be lots of different things. It could be, yeah, and and in there's probably so many ways to say it. If you were, yeah, like I'm just thinking if I'm a mom and I'm trying to figure out, so how do I say that? Because I, when I think of novel, I think, well, it's probably a book with pages, right? Mm-hmm. Or I might think, oh, well, maybe a Kindle. But if you were to like give moms a hint on where their daughters might be running into pornography that they might not be aware of. Could you come up with any of that? So, yeah. So the way that I accessed it was just through the internet, but I remember like you totally have these like mental gateways that lead you to it. And so what always led me to it was like social media use. And I would totally like compare myself with others. And I was having a hard time with body image. And I remember I would go to that go to pornography and it would make me feel temporarily like okay like I was enough and so yeah so it was just an internet site I genuinely can't remember how I came across it I wish that I did but yeah so much of there's so much content and so many like yeah like you say gateways Mm -hmm. I love that you said there were other things that just became the precursor mm-hmm. to that and body image is a big one for girls right for sure yeah and so when you say it just made you feel better it was kind of like a it made you feel like I don't know like instead of feeling this oh I'm not good enough it was more like a what so that's interesting you bring it up so I yeah I would always like turn to pornography because it would give me that temporary it was always a dopamine hit and I didn't understand that at the time and there's this neuro neuroscientist guy I think he teaches that like at Stanford or something I'm probably totally wrong about that his name is Andrew Huberman but he has like a podcast Mm -hmm. and he talks about like he puts neuroscience in a way that someone like me who has never taken a class on neuroscience can understand. So he's talking about addiction and he defines it as a progressive narrowing of the things that bring you pleasure. 
And so I think that defines it super, super well. So it would get to the point where I like, I wouldn't feel as much fulfillment from other aspects of my life that I needed to turn to pornography. And And that's the narrowing. Yeah. And that's the narrowing of it. So kind of to add on to that, there's this podcast called Unashamed Unafraid and they get I love that one. (laughs) It's like one of my favorites. They get super vulnerable and dive deep into people's stories and they always kind of tie it back to the idea of when you are looking at pornography you are always looking for God. I think that is so good because it's so true and there was actually this one specific episode it was it was on like fatherlessness or something but I just had this like tie where it was they were talking about the things that you don't feel fulfilled in. And they were talking specifically about childhood, but I think it just applies to life in general. But the things that you don't feel fulfilled in, look at the pornography that you are viewing and notice how that plays in to it. And so that was like a super interesting, I was like driving when I listened to that. And I was like, like, it was just kind of a revelation because it's so true because there's always going to be the worldly way to fulfill those needs and there's always going to be the heavenly way and like satan is just the master of like perverting god's ways and so it's so it's way easier to fall into the trap of viewing pornography or taking part of any kind of addiction or just rationalizing that and so that has been a super important concept to for me to understand that like when i'm looking for that dopamine hit when i'm looking for pornography I'm always always really looking for God Mm, that's pretty incredible that thought there's number three that you said I've never heard that before (laughs) like really that's amazing to consider yeah so when they said consider the angle of the kind of content that you're seeking when you are looking at pornography content that is and then ask yourself what am I lacking that would make me go look at that kind of pornography or that kind of content in pornography. And in it, you'll also see the, I guess, the void that you need God in. Mm-hmm. Is that, am I kidding that right? Okay. Perfectly. Yeah. Yeah. So that's interesting. That's so cool. Okay. Let's, can we go back to your story with, okay, you told the bishop and yeah, just, Yeah, it was like amazing. Like that is the best thing ever to notice that there's that euphoric feeling when a burden is so lifted and everything just feels so much better, brighter. Like hope is returned and I've found me again. Yeah, but because we're humans, then we can't always stay there, right? But I'm so, yeah. I'm happy that you compared the darkness and what kept you from it and then the light after. Yeah, did you ever get back to that dark of a place? Oh, to that dark of a place. I would honestly say probably yes. So kind of diving back into my story. So for a while after talking to the bishop that first time, I had gone through such a deep repentance process and the atonement had worked like I had worked so hard alongside Jesus Christ Mm -hmm. that it for about a year 
I was kind of just like riding on that spiritual high and I was staying consistent with my scripture study, prayers, all of the above. And I I didn't slip up until about a year after and I slipped up once and I was so disappointed in myself. And I was like, come on, like, I thought that I was over this. And I just, oh, I was totally beating myself up. And looking back, I can see how like why it happened. My like scripture study got less consistent. My prayers got less consistent. I was just slowly getting more distant and like with God. And like when you're not actively putting the effort, you it's just going to go downhill. Mm. So another huge, huge thing that I think the reason why was is because I had only told my bishop up to that point. And I hadn't like specifically asked him, hey, I want to have you as an accountability partner. I want you to like follow up and check up with me. Because just because at that point I was like, okay, well, been there, done that. Like <laughs> it's over with. And so I didn't put those like safety nets up in place. And so for a while after I had slipped up after that year, I tried to quit on my own. And I would have these good weeks and then I would slip up and then I would beat myself up and then I would consume pornography to feel better again. And it was just this vicious, vicious cycle that, I mean, goes along with any kind of addiction. Like, I'm sure you know a ton of the like neuroscience behind yeah. addiction. You, know, you get that, you get that dopamine spike and then your baseline drops lower and then you need that dopamine spike and then it just keeps getting lower and lower. And so I was in a very real, like literally by the actual definition, a very real depression because my brain just wasn't getting that dopamine that it needed. Mm. And so, so that was about, let's see, 14, 15. And then like, I've had relapses up to, I'm 18 now, so 17, 18, but I've just, I have grown so much in my understanding of the atonement and Now, when I used to totally see these relapses as, okay, well, I'm back at square one, like I have to start over. And so my view of progress has totally, totally changed. I no longer track my progress as the number of days or months or years sober, but rather the number of times that I have felt the urge to view pornography, sat with it, accepted it. And then I dissect it. I make sure that I understand, even if I do slip up, even if like it ends up, I end up, you could call it losing that battle. I make sure that afterwards I go in and I'm like, okay, where exactly was I? What time was it? Like what led my brain down that pathway? And so, yeah, I, so, so I'm, I'm just able to dissect it. And one of the things that has helped me also a ton is when I am feeling those urges to I will literally put my phone down and set a timer. And sometimes it's only like a 30 second timer. Sometimes it's like five minutes and I will say a prayer, not for, I remember the way that I've prayed also has shifted. I used to ask, okay, heavenly father, please just take this away from me. Just take this away from me. Cause I was still seeing those like sexual urges as a bad thing. And now it's more of asking him for the strength to endure it. And, and so Anyway, so that is just kind of, I guess that kind of leads us up to now. Let me know if there are any, I know I can speed ran through that. So let me know if you want me to clarify any of that. Yeah, I just love the the endurance piece. Like we're all, you know, we are all in an endurance phase of our life, no matter what. Mm-hmm. We're never in a failure phase of our life, 
right? We're always just enduring and, and getting so much better at, at doing that. And so one of the things that you said earlier was just such a sweet thing. I just thought if you're, if your daughter or son, or if your child is struggling with something like this, it's an, it's a whole new world, right? And because we are older and our interpretation of maybe what's happening and how scary that is and how not okay that is and how did I not know about that, all that kind of stuff that, that we feel as moms, it's just pretty of us to consider, well, of course they're struggling with pornography. I mean, look at the battleground that they are living in. Look at the the kind of, yeah, the kind of enticements that they have and how that enticement is so prevalent that it's actually hard to think of it as that must be super bad because it's like everywhere. Mm -hmm. right? And it's so accessible, you could go find it. And so to just think saying, we're not going to be doing that. And this is what we're watching for. And we're, this is our plan, right? To, for us to be saying, oh, who is it that said this? I can't remember her name, but she said, asking a child who's growing up in our day to not be affected by pornography and not have a struggle in that arena is like asking them to walk into a room full of cigarette smoke and don't breathe any of it. Mm -hmm. That's so true. It's so true. It's so Sorry. Oh, it's super brief. I heard this other like analogy along with that of talking about pornography as this like plague. Like if you if you saw someone that was like suffering and struggling with this plague, you wouldn't just like like we don't just leave those people alone. The question is just like how do we help them? Yeah. So, yeah, and, and something I've learned doing this for so many years, oh man, I just, is that, yeah, some, like, what's that quote about? God gives his toughest battles to his strongest warrior, something like that. Do you know the quote? It's like, God gives his hardest battles to his strongest soldiers. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, I just think that's just such a true statement, especially when you consider you know, I'm sure listener, you're just like me thinking, gosh, Maddie's amazing. She's just a wonderful person, such a good girl, such a faith-filled person. I think it's time for us to shift from this place of the people that look at pornography are like those greasy, hairy people in back alleys, right? right? We need to think, no, they are really strong, really full of light. The scriptures teach us that, yeah, Satan will be attacking the saints of God, right? And if he has an arsenal that's full of weaponry that's going to take down an innocent child in an over-sexualized world, right? That'd be a good way to do it, right? I know this, I know Maddie. I know who she is. I'm familiar with Maddie from the other side, right? I, I know. And so, yeah, his tactics to take out youth before they can get to a place of their confident identity pretty huge so yeah again like he's so smart he's so good at what he does yeah so parents i guess i'm 
trying to say this. We need to be a lot more calm. We need to be a lot more understanding and a lot more generous with our thinking. Often I've considered if I would have grown up in a day like our day, what would my teenagehood been like? I don't know, you know, not, not probably like it was. I probably would have been very tempted and I probably would have been really, yeah, that, that would have been really challenging for us. And I think we just think our role and the thing we're supposed to be worried about is just protect it all, make sure it doesn't happen. And when it does, we'll have the really important talk thing that was like, we're not doing that anymore, okay? And then we think we're good. And then we found out, we find out, you know, months later, a year later, it's even worse than it was before. And so just being, having a language that's a little more compassionate, like, well, of course you're struggling with pornography. Look at the war zone you live in. Like, oh my gosh, you're so brave to, you know, to care about telling me, being brave enough to say it. And just your dad's text, man, we need to like put that on a billboard or something. <laughs> totally agree. I totally agree. And I mean, just kind of, I just amen to everything that you just said, because that is so important for parents nowadays to hear. And just especially that idea of like, there's not any stereotype of who views pornography yeah. or who, like, if we're talking about just who has seen it before, there's no stereotype because it is everyone. If your kid is at a high school age, I think Fight, and, Fight the New Drug has like a statistic of this. It's like 100% of them have seen pornography. And so it's no longer a question of if, but when, and then how are you going to deal with it? Yeah. So kind of also how you're talking about just being more like compassionate when they're talking about it to their kids. I think that's so important. And I think one like little, little switch that can have an, a huge impact is make sure you're using different pronouns when you're talking about pornography. Because I know mm -hmm. if I would have heard at 13, oh, yeah, she's struggling with pornography like entire life trajectory just changed right there. So I think that that is super because why say the why because it you know that you're not alone and we talk about this so I'm also I don't think I mentioned this before but I'm on the presidency of the unalone club at BYU do you know what that is I think it has to do with anybody who is feeling marginalized in any way so it's it's actually just specifically for those who are struggling with pornography addiction okay. and so it's like the coolest club on campus like not even joking so we meet every Tuesday at 7 30 on zoom so that people can like be as anonymous as they want and I was just talking with my like the presidency the other day and we were talking about this quote of I think it was given at a TED talk about addiction the opposite of addiction is not sobriety the opposite of addiction is connection and so when your kids can make that connection specifically your daughters when they hear she has a problem with pornography that is step one i promise you that will be life-changing that's so good and so even if you think oh yeah probably i'm sure that my daughter isn't struggling with pornography but just having content that makes it obvious that girls struggle with this right because mm -hmm. you don't know mm -hmm. and what a game changer that would be if she's been struggling with it for her to 
not only hear that you're interested in listening to things like that and you'd like her to also listen and that and then maybe hear afterwards like gosh how deeply you care about her and that there's lots of things to get caught up in in this world and if this is ever one of them for you i'm right here right mm-hmm. big love that so good so how did you ever like you you mentioned that you told your dad did mm-hmm. you tell your dad i did okay. yeah and actually i hadn't told my parents until probably a little less than a year ago so wow <laughs> I think that's also just another thing to understand as a parent is like, just be patient with them because as much as you want them to just come to you and say, this is what I'm struggling with. I need your help. And I know that like, I mean, the parents that are listening to this, I know that you guys, if that situation happened, you guys are going to be well-equipped to, to like handle that. But sometimes it's just a matter of like that that just isn't the time when they're meant to tell you. And I'm sure that that kind of sucks to hear. I'm not a parent, but I feel like I would hate hearing that because I'm such a like, okay, let's fix this. Let's fix this. Let's address it right now. But that for me, that was exactly what was right for me. Also kind of with like just how my journey has played out as far as like filters go, like a lot of times, like I am so on board with this, like, oh, we need to fix it. We need to fix it now. But the filters, the filters aren't going to work. And I'm not saying that the filters aren't going to do what they say that they're going to do, like block certain things. Yeah. But you're like, if this is something that your child has been exposed to before and they need that dopamine hit, they're going to find it and it's going to find them either way, regardless. And so just this idea of perfection that we have for our kids is such an illusion. And it's, it's such a good tool that Satan uses. And we have this idea of, okay, if I just put this, these safeguards in place, these safeguards, then it'll be okay. But I mean, it's just important to understand that they are on their own journey as much as you are on your own journey. Mm. So you're not, you're not necessarily saying, just don't even use filters. You're saying, oh yeah, use filters. But it's not the it's not the the thing with the key that doesn't ever let anyone in it's you 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 just have to know that yeah i guess one way to think of it is you know if somebody already has a taste for something and they see that there's a solution there right they're going to figure out a way to get around it mm-hmm. yep. or it's going to find them yep. but it's a good barrier maybe to you know one of the things that our director says is you know what especially when your kids are younger so important to give them a space at home that feels like it's less tempting here because it's not all available right and so at least my home is is a less tempting more safe place because i still know how i can go find that right but because of filters, maybe it slows me down a bit. Maybe it gives more time to think. I don't know, but I think, but I think that, yeah. No, I totally agree. And I think that, I mean, I don't, I just personally, I just am not qualified to like give advice on whether filters are going to work and what filters to use. Cause I mean, I'm 18, I don't have kids and <laughs> I'm not going to, you know. 
Yeah, and but I do think it's one of the things that moms are asking now that they never ask before. I've been working with moms for almost 16 years now, and we never, ever would go there. But now they're actually saying, as young as like 15 years old, where their child is struggling, they'll say something like, okay, so I have a question about these filters. And it used to be like, tell me all the filters I can do to lock everything down, make sure this doesn't happen anymore, kind of a thing. And now it's more like, I get that they need to learn how to navigate this. And that would it would not be wise for me as a parent to just say, we're not going to have any of this until you're 18. Mm-hmm. or Because they can't just jump off the cliff right there. And so they're trying to, all parents are trying to figure this out. Like they're having a shift now where it's like, I need to be a little more thoughtful about this and the war zone that they're in and just realistic that you can't just say we're going to shut that door because it's so sad to say I hate to even say it but it's like yeah all the light is in the darkness too Mm -hmm. right we can't just separate them anymore yep it's yeah it's so true it's so true and I mean it's you're right it is such a sad and like heartbreaking thing but for me like it has turned into such a hopeful and optimistic thing because like because I was able to have those experiences and I'm not saying that my parents just gave me free reign they had like restrictions we turned our phone in phones in at a certain time every night they were good about that stuff but it was really really important for me to have the experience of going through the atonement process and learning for that and gaining those skills of self-mastery kind of like on my own because now I'm able to like I mean I like live to tell the tale kind of Mm -hmm. so I think also just going hand in hand with filters the filters are should be a, a side thing like the most important thing for me for sure was the conversations that I had with my parents Mm -hmm. and they've become way more frequent now and I'm just super like open with it but about them and I mean they love talking to me me about it because it's just like it's such a journey and it's so cool to like be able to celebrate the wins with them and be vulnerable with the losses about them and so just I mean I don't know I mean just if your parent listening to this, you are doing great. And there's just some things that you can't control and that you yeah. can't do. So what, what was your mom's reaction when she found out? Cause it sounds like your dad, he'd already worked on his reaction. Yeah. My mom was kind of the same way. My mom like, isn't as like, like the, there is only war type of stuff. Like, I mean, they just both that have like their different strengths and worked together really well in parenting. My mom just kind of said, thank you for telling me. Like, I actually had no idea. Both of them had no idea, which I was like, really? Like, but yeah, that was kind of her reaction is like, thank you for telling me. And then I think we talked about like a couple couple conference talks on it. And I told her kind of some of the feelings that I was having in like helping young girls and the promptings. But it's all been a very good like healthy safe conversation and I'm really lucky to have that and have parents that aren't afraid to talk about those things Mm. have they ever talked to you about how they learned not to be afraid to talk about those things Mm. so for my dad specifically so he grew up and kind of had a rough childhood and so he had kind of like (laughs) seen it all 
And he's very big into like this idea of like mental toughness. And he's like, I, I, I just love that. And so he's, he's always been good at taking those big problems and just taking them head on. Yeah. He really likes, there's this book, I think, I genuinely can't remember what it's called, but it talks, it's this kid's book. It's talking about like overcoming fear and they put it in the perspective of dragon slaying. And so he, he likes to call himself a dragon slayer. Mm -hmm. And I just love that. And so I also, I would love to adopt that title, but yeah, I just, I mean, it's just, he's always been very comfortable with addressing the big issues. Yeah. Yeah. And has your mom ever said like, it was kind of hard for me when you told me that or nothing like that? No, she hasn't. I mean, really, I'm just so grateful because my family, we've always just, we've, we've always been so open and like, we understand that like life is something it's a battle and each of us are struggling with something individually and so if we're able to come together collectively and just be open about that then it makes it much easier to just make that progress so I'm just I'm super grateful for my family I love them yeah so good all right well we've talked about the myths around pornography Mm -hmm. and we've talked about the idea that shame will never lead to change Mm -hmm. like but yeah, saying it like that, that before we start our recording, Maddie brought up, you know, I always ask people before I start a podcast with them, I say, hey, just some things at the top of your list that you really want to talk about. And I just really liked the way that you worded that, that shame will never lead to change. Mm-hmm. So good. And will you? You have to tell us where you're going on a mission because you didn't tell us that. No, so- I actually... I don't know because I put, yeah, I started my papers like two weeks ago. So I have the appointments all lined up and that'll happen. I think the last one is in like three weeks. So then after that, meet with the state president, then I will see. (laughs) Okay. So cool. I am curious to know how large are those Zoom meetings of the Unalone Club? So the last one, which we had actually yesterday and I was able to speak at it, which was so cool. Mm -hmm. Uh, We had, I think, 25 people. I think the most we've had is 30, and we usually have about 15 to 20. Wow. Okay. And we want more. We always want more. (laughs) And so do you need to be a student at BYU to go to this? So technically, no, you don't. And we kind of, okay, if anyone from BYU Student Activities is listening to this, just stop listening right now. (laughs) So they kind of are like, want it to be students at BYU. But we, I mean, I invited a couple people outside of BYU. You know what? I think, I think Jesus is okay with that. (laughs) I think BYU Student Activities might not be okay with it, but I think he's okay with it. Short answer, yes. Long answer, not at all. And none of the presidency members will ever. And there's also no way to know. So if you do want to join one, just change your name and turn off your camera. But you didn't hear that from me. (laughs) So good. Oh, well, Maddie, thank you so much for sharing your story and your journey. And thanks for having such a passion that sounds like we're in this. Let's do this. And it's going to be okay. And 
it's okay to be in the fight and to keep fighting and there's nothing shameful about that like geez what could be shameful about that right right yeah i remember when my son was struggling years ago it was when no one even knew how to say the word pornography but it was like it was like it's like saying the f word if you said pornography right Mm -hmm. Nowadays, saying the F word is like saying darn. But anyways, <laughs> I'm just thinking that, yeah, it was just such a big deal for me to think, wowzer. We, you know, he was delayed on his mission three different times. So it was a long time and lots of his friends were already gone. And anyway, it got to the point where some of the questions that he would get from people at church, some of the pe- questions I would get, you know, like i just think such a great answer i didn't have it then but now i think i would say it something like this back then i finally got to a point where i would say i would say yeah we are working hard at our house we're doing good stuff kind of like that working hard doing good stuff and then i'd turn it right back around and say how about you you know because they'd want to know all about why isn't he this how come that they'd get this real worried look on their face like Oh, I'm just so, that's not okay, is it? That he, everybody's gone, he's still here, kind of a thing. Mm-hmm. And it was just, but now I think it's totally allowed to be like, yeah, we're we're actually in the fight because we love the cause of Christ. Mm-hmm. He's the champion of freedom, and that's what we fight for. Amen, amen. And I mean, it's so true, but I also think it's super important to recognize that like, Yes, me and you have that mindset. And yes, the people listening have that mindset. But there are still so many people out there who who view pornography as the F word. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. it's just something that they can't talk about. And so there's yeah. so much progress that has been made, but there's so much left to make. Amen. Thanks for pointing that out. Sure. Yeah. Well, Maddie, thanks for being with me. Thanks for reaching out to me. Yeah, so cool, right? right people listening to this she's not even in a life-changing services program she just thought hey i i'm noticing something over there and i'm on a mission here yeah well you would just fit right in over here just so you know oh i'd love to i'd love to (laughs) anytime anytime we would just love to hear more from you and yeah i'm sure that the other programs too i bet i'm going to reach out to the the women's young women's program just to say you might be interested in having this podcast on your website right yeah that'd be awesome. so good okay well give us one little something before we go like a what just your whatever you decide okay i just want to re-emphasize the point that shame will never lead to change and I think that this applies for both parents and those struggling with pornography addiction. A lot of times, I think as parents, you guys tend to get down and beat up on yourself. And I just want to say again, shame is never going to lead to change. And those negative feelings of, oh my gosh, I I needed to start this, like start talking about this to my kids so much earlier. I'm such a horrible parent. That stuff, leave it out, leave it at the door because that's mm -mm, that is not what we want here because all that you can control is just what happens from here on out and so if that's not a conversation that you have started with your kids just start today and forget about what you like 
there's no point in dwelling in the past of that. And just to those who are struggling with pornography, specifically young women, I just hope you know that you are not alone and you were not made incorrectly. And there is so much goodness and so much light in you, regardless of where you are at your in your recovery journey, or if you haven't started your recovery journey, there's still so much, so much goodness and light. And I know you have those thoughts of, oh man, like she must be talking to everyone else who's struggling, but not me. Nope. I'm talking to you because you're not alone in your struggles. And I know that you have those thoughts of, but if she only knew, if she only knew what I had gone through and you have those thoughts when you go talk to the bishop, but I promise there, everyone is cheering for you. Everyone is rooting for you to move forward in this. And yeah, I want to end with a quote. Mm -hmm. Okay. So I want to end with a quote from Elder Holland. Keep trying keep trusting, keep believing, keep growing. Heaven will be cheering you on today, tomorrow, and forever. So I just want to leave with that. Mm. So good. Well, I'm not just speaking for myself. I know I'm, I know I'm speaking for the people who are listening to this too, but so much gratitude and appreciation for you, for your journey, for your courage and yeah, we're cheering our guts out over here for your effort and so grateful. Thanks, Maddie. You're so welcome. And do you want to point anybody anywhere to find you anywhere or anything like yes. that? Yes, I'd love to. So I have an Instagram. It's called Sisters on the Frontlines. And also have an email, sisters on the frontlines at gmail.com. And I would love to receive any just messages or anything. I would love to. Regardless, like if you were someone struggling, I would love to hear from you. If you're a parent, I'd love to hear from you as well. I love that. Oh, sisters on the front line. Good one. Right. And that wasn't even like taken at like the Gmail. It took me a while to find the one that wasn't taken, but. <laughs> Excellent. All right. Thanks for listening, everybody. Thank you for being with us today, Warrior Moms. I invite you to make a donation at the top of our website, mothersyouknow.org. Any amount you can afford today will help us keep Mothers Who Know services free for all moms. Thank you so much for your generosity. Moms, remember your divine identity and great worth. Continue in your courageous efforts to support God's great work. Notice the miracles you see every day, the evidence of the Savior's love and mercy. Find the message in your message. Reach out and share the principles you learn in Mothers Who Know with other mothers. You are God's secret weapon for good in this world. Finally, a few pieces of information for you. I recommend a few other podcast channels to listen to. Like Dragons Do They Fight podcast, that includes interviews and stories with those that have struggled and overcome something in their life. And the Eternal Warriors podcast, hosted by two YSA young men who share their story, teach valuable lessons, and interview special guests. You can follow us on our social media pages on Facebook under mothersyouknow.lcs or search for Mothers You Know and on Instagram, username at mothers underscore who know. Last, if you would like additional support and training, please go to mompowertraining.com to sign up for the next eight-week mompower training class for all moms. 
You can also go to the Mothers You Know website at mothersyouknow.org or our parent company, Life Changing Services, at lifechangingservices.org to learn more about our excellent services to support you and your loved ones. Thank you so much for listening today. Please feel free to email me anytime with questions or to set up a complimentary 30-minute appointment to visit. Please email me at mothersyouknow at lifechangingservices.org. Looking forward to hearing from you amazing moms. See you next time.